Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry, featuring the ministry of Witness Lee. Witness Lee was captured by the Lord Jesus as a young man of 19 in his native China. He consecrated his life to preach the gospel, and later labored side by side with Watchman Nee for parts of three decades, before eventually bringing this ministry to the West in 1962. He spent the next 35 years speaking to Christians in North America and all over the world before going to be with the Lord in 1997. The life study of the Bible is his most significant contribution to the heritage of biblical exposition, and we're delighted to be able to bring you short portions of his spoken ministry today. If you have questions or comments, or would like to find other Christians in your area enjoying this same ministry, just email us, radio at lsm.org. Again, that's radio at lsm.org. Here's today's program. The word Deuteronomy means a second speaking or re-speaking. In Deuteronomy, what is being re-spoken by Moses to the assembled nation of Israel was the commandments, the law, the Ten Commandments, the ordinances, statutes, and judgments. These were originally given to the people some 38 years prior at Mount Sinai. The reason for this repeating of the word is that Moses was facing a new generation that had grown up after the law was originally given to their fathers. By now, the fathers were all dead, and God's purpose was with this new, young generation. The words here of Moses are the words of a loving, caring father speaking to his children. How much all of us as God's children today need to hear his word spoken again and again and how much even we ourselves should speak this word to our own children again and again. Francis Ball is with us for, uh, I think, a touching and enlightening program. Francis, welcome back. I'm very happy to be here, Chris. It's always a privilege to get into these books with the life study. Otherwise, we would really not have such uh, clear understanding. Francis, we have a, a word today where we are really going to be touching the part of Deuteronomy where Moses is actually re-speaking the Ten Commandments to the people. But before we get to it, we have an opening section today that was an added word by Witness Lee as he was giving this life study of Deuteronomy, and it deals with the triune God. Uh, that may seem odd to people because the word Trinity, of course, is not mentioned in the Old Testament, and actually the word Trinity is not even mentioned in the New Testament. Yet it is implied again and again in the Old Testament. And as he was covering these books of the Old Testament in these life studies, it seems he would always come back to this point because it is such a basic component, a basic element of the revelation of the Bible, isn't it? It certainly is. As a matter of fact, I believe this is the basic point in the whole Bible. And as we pointed out before on this program, that Deuteronomy is really a condensing of the whole Bible. And the main thing here is concerning the divine trinity. I was a young man in a denomination, and I heard that God was Trinity, that he was Father, Son, and Spirit. Right. But actually, I never heard anyone explain why God is triune, why he's the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, until I came to this ministry. And that truth has really been opened up so much so that you realize that without the clear understanding of God being triune, you have no way to really 
understand the Bible because that is the root, that is the basis for the interpreting of the whole Bible. This has to do with God's economy, how God does everything. So if we miss this point, we missed a great deal. And this principle is that anything, for example, related to the Father as the source is what Brother Lee calls onefold. And anything related to the Son is twofold. And whatever is related to the Spirit is a threefold. So you have the onefold when it's just related to the Father, twofold when it's related to the Son, and threefold when it's related to the Spirit, who is the consummation, the totality of the triune God. So our experience really ends up with a threefold intensity of what God has done. The source is the Father, the Son is the course, and the Spirit is the flow. So without this understanding of the Trinity, we really get mixed up. You cannot separate the Trinity and divide them into three parts. They are one God. God is triune. Tri meaning three and un meaning one. He's a three-one God. And he's three-one so he can be dispensed into us. To get to this point, to realize again that this is a deserves a lot of re-speaking. And even when we get back to Moses re-speaking the law, we still have to have this principle in mind. Otherwise, we will not understand what the benefits are of his being such a loving father dispensing himself into us. This is a key right here because it seems whenever Witness Lee would uh, initiate one of these uh, uh, speakings in his ministry related to the triune God, it was always in the context of this is God reaching man. Right. Uh, God is triune primarily so that the God that is holy and almighty and so far removed from us in one sense could reach man not just to be with us, but even to be one with us, even to be in us. And for this, God must be triune. That's right. And you have that very clear in Second Corinthians thirteen fourteen, which it says, the grace of Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Well, that is really the threefold, the grace of Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. You have the course, you have the source, and you have the flow, and we have the triune God as our enjoyment. Well, it's always an enjoyment uh, to me, Francis, whenever the opportunity is here to listen to Witness Lee speak on this subject, which he cared so much about and spent so much of his uh, ministry focused on, and we're going to get a section like that just now. Let's go to Witness Lee. From Genesis to Revelation, 66 books, the entire Bible was written based upon the divine trinity. So we, as the seekers of the Lord, we must lay a good foundation in knowing the divine trinity. Here is a big principle in the Bible concerning the divine trinity, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. Do you know anything that is firstly with the Father is onefold? The Father is source. With the source, it is onefold. Anything that is related to the second of the Trinity is twofold. Then the same thing with the third of the Trinity is threefold. We say God is source, the Father, and the Son is the course, and then the Spirit is the flow. So eventually, 
this period is consummation of the triangle. The consummation, the totality. The spirit is the totality of the triangle. The Father is the source, and the Son is the cause, and the Spirit is the flow. So, when the last one as the consummation comes, all the three are here. And this means what? The love of God, and the grace of Christ, and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all. Love is the source, and grace is the coming out. And the fellowship is just a transmission. Love is in grace, and grace is with the love transmitted by the Spirit. So, here, you do not only have love. You have love plus grace. Not only so, you have love plus grace plus fellowship. Threefold. Could you see this? Anything that God is, when it reaches us, it is not onefold, neither it is twofold, but it is threefold. Amen. Salvation is threefold. Francis, you gave us a very good preview of uh, what was ahead, touching some of the points that he developed here. Uh, but there's plenty to come back to, I think, as we get into this uh, matter of our salvation being threefold. And that has a lot to do with how we view the God in his trinity. You see these terms often debated. I know of another uh, radio ministry that has um, spoken very much on this topic and uh, a well-known Bible teacher on the radio. I won't give his name here, but for many years he used to define the Trinity as uh, three separate and distinct persons. Recently he's modified, changed his uh, interpretation or changed his definition. He said, I no longer can say separate. Mm -hmm. Distinct is okay, but three distinct not separate beings. And that really connects with this matter of being threefold, doesn't it? Very good. I'm glad to hear that that realization of the Trinity is spreading with others, yeah, too. Yeah, me too. Touch that point a little bit about uh, the threefoldness, meaning the coming of one is really the coming of all. Well, everything originates with God the Father as the source. And uh, the Lord Jesus never said anything or did anything on his own, so to speak. But as a man... In his incarnation, he was always dependent and absolute surrendered to the Father's words and the Father's will. The Lord Jesus was sent of the Father, but in the Father sending him, the Father came with him. He was in him and was his very person. And then also, when the Lord Jesus went to the cross, was crucified and resurrected, the Bible says in that resurrection he became a life-giving spirit. Not just a spirit, but the life-giving spirit. Right. So now Christ is really as the spirit coming to us. And we have a spirit, so to receive Christ is to receive him as the spirit in our spirit. So the, the triune God is really present with us because he is not separated. He is only consummated. So this consummation of the triune God as the Spirit gives us all the benefits and all the riches of the attributes of God expressed in human virtues in Jesus. And now in resurrection, he's imparted into us as the Spirit. So we have the Father, the Son, and the Spirit in our spirit. 
as we consider this, I think many people, and perhaps we ourselves have subconsciously this view at times, that the Spirit is this force or power that God or Christ send out to us sometimes when they have a job that they uh, want done. This is to miss the point of the Trinity and God being triune altogether. When you touch the Spirit, you really are touching Christ, and you really are touching God, the source of life, aren't we? That's right. When we live according to Spirit, as Galatians says, we are really living according to Christ. Christ is the life-giving Spirit. Well, we've got a section dealing with this matter of the Spirit uh, that is connected to Deuteronomy directly just ahead. We've looked at this portion before in Romans chapter 10 as Paul was quoting Deuteronomy. And the quote from chapter 30 of Deuteronomy really was Moses speaking about the law and the commandments. But when Paul speaks it in Romans chapter 10, he changes. Uh, It seems he's changing the Bible. He's changing the word law and commandment to Christ. And let me read these verses again. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. When Moses said it, it was to bring the law down. But when Paul says it, it is to bring Christ down. Or, in verse 7, who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of the faith which we proclaim. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Spirit is not mentioned here directly, Francis, but we're going to see in this coming section. It's very, very definitely implied by Paul, isn't it? Yes, very definitely. Let's go to Witness Lee. Deuteronomy doesn't have the word spirit. It says Jehovah your God, Jehovah your God, Jehovah your God. I don't know how many times. No Christ mentioned. Then eventually Paul in Romans 10 interpreted the word in Deuteronomy as Christ. He says the word of faith. Have you noticed this? In Romans 10 it says the word of faith. We think Deuteronomy's words are the words of the law. But Paul says, no, not the words of the law, but the word of the faith. In Deuteronomy, no term as Christ is mentioned, but a number of synonyms. The law is a synonym to Christ. The commandments is a synonym of Christ. And the testimony, synonym, and the statutes, and the ordinance, and the judgment. All these are synonyms of Christ. I would advise you, you change your way to read Deuteronomy. Whenever you come to the word law, you change Christ. Whenever you come to the word commandment, you keep my commandment, you keep my Christ. It's more meaningful to keep the commandment is to keep Christ. But no word for the Spirit. Yet, the Apostle Paul in Romans 10, his kind of interpretation implies the Spirit. It implies that the very Christ whom he is describing must be the Spirit. Why? Because he says, the Word is not only nigh to you, not only near to you, but in your mouth, not only deep in your heart. And this must be the Spirit. In Romans 10, Paul's quotation plus his interpretation presents to us the best description of Christ. He was God, but incarnate and crucified and resurrected and, hallelujah, becoming a life-giving spirit, waiting for people to call on him. Amen. 
Romans 10 says, His rage, to all that call Him. When you first call, you receive Him as life. When you continue to call, you receive Him continually as your food, life supply. Then He becomes your strengthening, your everything. This is Christ. Francis, the Apostle Paul interpreted Deuteronomy to see Christ when Moses was talking about the law, the commandment, the statutes, the ordinances. Now we're seeing an interpretation to see the Spirit implied, even in Paul's word in chapter 10. How do we see the Spirit here in these verses? We see the Spirit here in these verses because the word word, which Paul uses, really refers to Christ. Christ is the word. Even in John chapter 1, 1 In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14 of that chapter, it says, uh, The Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. That shows that the Word is Christ. Now, this Christ has been to the cross. He's resurrected. He has become a life-giving spirit. And now for him to be in us, he is the consummated God. He is God the Father. He is God the Son. He is God the Spirit. He is, everything is in the Spirit now to be our reality. So uh, what Paul is saying here really shows us that the Bible is a book that interprets itself. Mm. To interpret the Bible, we need to use the Bible. So when Moses says commandments and uh, statutes and so on, Paul can righteously and rightly interpret that to be Christ. And we've already seen in this program that we need to change the way we read this. So we read Christ in this. We're not keeping the law now. We're keeping Christ. Right. This Christ has now been infused into us as the Spirit. Otherwise, how could he be in our mouth and be in our heart? It's because he's become the Spirit. And everything that God is, everything that Christ is, everything that God intends for us to have has all been now consummated as the life-giving Spirit who is in our mouth and in our heart. Well, Francis, uh, we have just a couple of minutes left. We want to come back to Deuteronomy uh, for this last portion. We're in chapter 5 if people have been following with the progression day by day. Chapter 5 is Moses speaking the law back to now this new generation that we talked about at the very beginning of the program. Verse 1 says, And Moses called all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the judgments which I am speaking in your hearing today, and learn them and keep them, so that you may do them. Of course, now we have had Witness Lee telling us that we should substitute Christ when we see these words. Keep that in mind. Jehovah our God has made a covenant with us at Horeb, Not with our fathers did Jehovah make this covenant, but with us, we who are all here alive today. And verse 6, I am Jehovah your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the slave house. You shall have no other gods before me. And then he goes on and quotes the rest of the Ten Commandments. Uh, This is the speaking of a loving father, isn't it, Francis? Yes, that's marvelous. Francis, let's go back to Witness Lee. The rehearsal of the law is for the training of the new generation. After the purging of the old generation through their wandering of 38 years in the wilderness. Uh, the wandering in the wilderness was quite useful, very much used by God. Then that wandering produced the new generation. Now those old ones 
were gone, right? The new ones are here, a new generation. So they need the training, the training of the law, the training with the law, and the training by the law, with the present new generation of Israel. There is the need of re-speaking. So Moses did this. From chapter 5 to chapter 26, 21 chapters, Moses just had the capacity to speak, 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 speak. Moses was speaking, speaking, and re-speaking. And what was spoken by Moses? Keeping the commandments, statutes, and judgments. Now, it's better to read, keep Christ, Christ, and Christ. Amen. It's quite meaningful. Could you see how much detailed Moses was? And how much concern he had? Right? All the things was repetitious, but he had a burden with the concern and love. Could you speak such a word? A long sentence with all kinds of modifiers, adjectives, adverbs, all crosses, phrase, and things like this. These long sentences show his long concern. Francis, there's a lot here that we can talk about, but I was really touched with how seeing Moses before this young new generation and hearing him, the way he was speaking, we're really seeing the speaking of a loving, aged father to his children, aren't we? Isn't that marvelous? It really that is. That this speaking could be so uh, clear to us, and we could even repeat it. You know, these words were given to our fathers, so to speak, but they were really given to us because we were in the fathers, just like we were in Adam, because we came through a natural birth, we were in Adam. We were in the crowd that heard these laws, but they were not repeated to us until now. Now, all those that have been born during the time that the children of Israel were in the wilderness, all the fathers have died, as he said, and now they are the young generation, and he's repeating these same words again to them to bring them into the realization that if they keep these commandments, these ordinances, these statutes, they will enter into the promised land. So have we realized that these commandments and these uh, laws are really Christ? So it means if we keep Christ, we will enter into the good land. Francis, let's talk about that phrase real uh, briefly just before we close today, keeping Christ. Uh, as we might hear the word keep the commandment, that's easy to understand. But keeping Christ is a bit more abstract. So define this a little bit for us. To keep Christ means that we have Christ. He's in us, and now he's in our spirit, and we have learned to exercise our spirit and to stay with Christ by uh, denying ourself and bearing the cross and closing the gate to all the thoughts that come in to try to distract us. We keep Christ. We stay in the word. We enjoy the Lord. We act and move according to the spirit. This is the way we enjoy this all-inclusive spirit that's in our spirit. And this is altogether different than setting out to keep these commandments individually as ordinances according to the law, which was really the Old Testament and the bondage that Christ died to set us free from, isn't it? That's right. Now in resurrection, he's coming to live in us. So he's able to live this life through us and for us. If we just receive him, stay with him, 
enjoy him, and live by him, just saying, I am crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. Boy, Francis, don't you love these messages? Marvelous. I'm so happy we could repeat these words again and again. More and more Deuteronomy. Yes. Uh, more re-speaking. That's right. Well, our time is up. Francis, I'd like to thank you again for being with us and invite you back uh, the next time we're able to fellowship together, which will be very soon, we hope. Uh, I'd like to give our listeners a toll-free number along with the, our invitation to contact us about getting the printed material that comes along with these messages each day. We're in the Life Study of Deuteronomy. It's a one-volume book with 30 messages or 30 chapters, and we hope you'll take advantage of the opportunity to get it. Our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. For Francis Ball, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee ministered the Word of God for over seven decades. Many consider these life studies as his seminal work, an exhaustive commentary on the entire Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Spirit. If you'd like to find out more about Witness Lee, these life study messages or any of the materials provided by Living Stream Ministry, please visit our website, lsm.org. That's lsm.org. You can also email us, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. Thanks for listening today.